Welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. This season, we are discussing The Caster Chronicles Book One, Beautiful Creatures by Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll. What happened last time? Okay, so Lena was arguing in class with the main girls. They kept just talking during class, and all of a sudden, uh, a window burst. Shattered. Shattered, and then she ran off. So we're starting right after these events. Same day, September 12th. And this chapter is titled, I gotta say it right, Greenbrier. I say Greenbrier half the time, so sorry about that. Got into a big <laughs> argument over that. <laughs> I believe you, but also I think I'm right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way I say it faster. Don't. Ethan continued to hear the voice. It's not worth it, Ethan. To him, it was. Lena hadn't been the first victim of of Emily and her posse. They had outcasted people his entire life for not fitting into what well-established people considered normal. He'd always been a bystander, just letting things happen. This time, though, he felt the need to go after her, despite the consequences, even as that voice argued with him. Ethan ran past Link's class, giving his friend a look. Without a word, Link tossed him his keys. He needed to go after Lena, and he knew exactly where to find her, even if it meant he had to meet Gatlin's own Boo Radley. Ravenwood Manor loomed in front of me. It rose up on the hill like a dare. I'm not saying I was scared, because that's not exactly the word for it. I was scared when the police came to the door the night my mom died. I was scared when my dad disappeared into his study, and I realized he would never, he would never really come back out. I was scared when I was a kid, and Emma went dark when I figured out the little dolls she made weren't toys. Ethan walked up to the gate, half expecting something out of a horror movie to happen. But he found nothing. Ravenwood looked like a typical southern plantation. The usual style for Gatlin plantations was federal-style homes. Ravenwood stood alone and being the only Greek revival style. It's my favorite. I love Greek revival plantation mm-hmm. homes. They're so pretty. The one thing Ethan did notice was the lentil. Yes, lentil. That's uh, what's above a door. Oh, okay. That big piece of wood and yeah. above a door. It's decorative sometimes. Okay. So he noticed the lintel, which wasn't an uncommon architectural practice in this time. What was strange was the symbols on this. What in the world? I think that was supposed to say Raven Wood with no question mark. Um, it was probably me. It was probably me. I don't have my glasses. I'm using my dad's and I can't see for so what was strange was the symbols on the lintel of Ravenwood. The moon phases that were carved into the wood. Other symbols seemed to be some type of hieroglyph that Ethan didn't understand. See, they typically didn't have like symbols or anything. Mm-hmm. It was mainly like, you know, family mottos and mm-hmm. stuff. Maybe something written in Latin. Mm-hmm. Not, it usually isn't a home for symbols. Yeah. In this case, obviously, there are some happenings happening. Yeah. I mean, the only <laughs> the symbol... happening happened... <laughs> The happening happened. Um, what a flashback. <laughs> the only symbols that I can really think of is maybe like you'd have your coat of arms or something. Mm-hmm. Not moon phases and other interesting but things. But as we uh, delve more into this book, we'll kind of understand what that's all about. Mm-hmm. So Ethan tried knocking on the door, but no one answered. He pressed his luck, opening the unlocked door himself. It opened easily. There was no going back once he stepped foot into the house. Obviously, there is, like, he could always go walk back out, but, like, you know, he's making the decision to go in, and, you know, once you go there, you can never come back, like, that saying. Mm -hmm. 
The house sat bright, which was odd due to the vines and debris covering the outside of the windows. Antique furniture didn't populate the room like he imagined. Instead, the pieces looked more modern, like they'd been ripped right out of a catalog. Ethan called Lena's name into the room. Then he uttered, Mr. Ravenwood? But neither met him. Instead, a huge black dog, maybe even a wolf, ran out, teeth bared. Ethan noticed its eyes, strange and too human-like. The dog growled, causing Ethan to run right back out the door. This wolf dog up in there. Remember the wolf dog. Remember it. Remember the wolf dog. (laughs) It'll come up later. Yep. In a fun scene. Oh, yep. Ethan continued running until he hit a field. He stopped, smelling the familiar scent of lemon trees. She was here. The voice echoed. I told you not to come. He thought, I know. They were having a conversation in his head, just like in class. He moved towards the wall of the garden, hearing muffled cries, but he couldn't see Lena. He came across a rosemary bush right underneath the lemon tree. He called to her again. Go away, I told you. She responded. I know, Ethan said. Lena temporarily forgot why she was crying in the first place, caught up in the mental communication they seemed to have. Ethan parted the thick wall of tangled branches, finally spotting her figure curled up on the ground, tears staining her cheeks. Ethan stated he wanted to check in and see if she was okay. They all hate me, Lena said. Ethan reminded her that he didn't hate her, nor did his friend Link. You don't even know me. Give it time. You'll probably hate me, too. Ethan claimed everything would blow over eventually. That right now, they're just all jealous of her because she's been all over and doesn't pretend to be something she's not. Lena disagreed, saying she'd much rather be like him in the same place with people around her to care. All she had was her dog. She told him she wished she would have friends who noticed when she wasn't at school. Ethan stated that he didn't, in fact, notice when she wasn't there. Wait, no. I said that wrong. He did, in fact. (laughs) Ethan stated that he did, in fact, notice when she wasn't there. She stated that school was always like this for her. While she knew they were all idiots for being so small-minded, the little things got to her. Lena stated, I care. They bother me, and that's why I'm stupid. That makes me exponentially more stupid than stupid. I'm stupid to the power of stupid. I said, you know, she acknowledged that, yeah, it's stupid that they said all this stuff, Mm -hmm. but it does still hurt her, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, in the long run, it's not going to matter. But I said this is just the epitome of being a teenage girl. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's everyone's experiences, but it's mine. A lot of people I know, it's their experience where those people should not bother you in any kind of way, especially because, you know, they're insecure and everything. Mm -hmm. But still, like... It still bothers you. It gets you. to you, yeah. Because nobody's ever as confident as they pretend to be. Oh, yeah, no. Trying to relate to being different, Ethan admitted that he had books under his bed. Lena was confused by these confessions. And I am too, honestly. <laughs> like, why is that a big secret? <laughs> He's like, well, I hide books under my bed. Good for you. <laughs> also, like, who all comes over to your house and to your bedroom, Ethan? Like, yeah, I'm pretty like sure no your one. house isn't very yeah. happening. Maybe Link. Maybe but Link, why? but... Maybe. But why would Link be like, where are you reading? Uh, you nerd. <laughs> nerd. He told her that he read novels like Tolstoy, Salinger, and Vonnegut. And I can understand Salinger and Vonnegut, but I just can't buy the whole Tolstoy thing. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I don't think it was on mic. I just... I don't know. I just don't see Anna, Anna Karenina and mm-hmm. War and Peace just being... He's like, ooh, I want to read these. And I said, like, maybe, you know, just to say that he did it, but he's clearly hiding the fact that he reads. So, so he who would... would- He'd be bragging to, I mean, his father is into, like, obviously, like, writing and books and stuff, but he doesn't talk to his father. Yeah. So, like, he wouldn't be able to talk to anyone about any of these. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just for the sake of it, he's got time on his hands. 
Maybe he's just like, you know, I want to read this this summer. Maybe he's one of those people that puts themselves through torture just to say that they've read a book. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Have another place to mark on his map of places to visit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I might but be there's here. like, I mean, get it in the Master and Margarita. There's a few others that I'm blanking on right now for Russia. I don't know why he would want to go to Russia. Just to get away? <laughs> well, I mean, the pending war right now is probably <laughs> what I'm thinking about most of all. But that's beside the point. But Ethan acknowledged that he didn't come here to talk about literature. Oh, where no, no, no. I skipped big time. <laughs> yeah, you did. She questioned. Yeah. She questioned what his jock buddies think about him being an avid reader. He stated he just sticks to his jump shot. <laughs> Lena pointed out that at school, he stuck to comic books. She told him she read too, but it was mainly poetry. He stated he's read some Bukowski. Lena said, I have all his books. But Ethan acknowledged that he didn't come here to talk about literature. I do like the part where she's like, well, you just stick to comic books because clearly she pays attention to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he gets that at that yeah. point. Like, she notices you as about as much as you notice her. Yeah. Ethan finally got into what happened in the classroom earlier. If she had any plan to tell him, Lena paused before jumping into the truth. Strange things just happen around her because of her. She couldn't control it. Ethan said, like the dreams. Lena nodded, prompting Ethan to state, You remember the dreams? Lena hid her face with her hands. I knew it was you, Ethan said. I knew it. You knew it was me. You knew what I was talking about the whole time. You're the girl. Why didn't you say something last night? Lena responded using their mental connection. I didn't want you to know. Um, the you're the girl part, he actually thinks. Yeah. I just read it like that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's interesting that he doesn't say that part out loud. Mm-hmm. He thinks it. When he asked why she asked why she told him, why she didn't tell him, I didn't expect you to be here, Ethan. I thought they were just dreams. I didn't know you were a real person. She went on to say, my life is complicated and I didn't want you. I don't want anyone to get mixed up in it. Ethan, with his hands on the mossy stone, felt something rough. Maybe <laughs> another wet rock wedged in the stone. Then Lena took his hand. The scenery around them shifted, and the scent of lemons faded into smoke. Dun, dun, dun. How Lena says, like, I didn't expect you to be here, Ethan. Like, I had the dreams, too, but, you mm-hmm. know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I don't remember what she knows. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Ethan in the equation has nothing nothing to do with her situation. Mm-hmm. You know, like her 16 moons doesn't really have anything to do with Ethan. It does, but it doesn't. I don't remember. <laughs> in conclusion, I don't remember. Just how I picture her kind of be, being like nonchalant about it and also just like matter of fact more so. I think. Yeah. I think she was just trying to get him to not be involved with her. Even though clearly like she knew that this guy was involved and then she finally sees him. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you're still avoiding, you know, we've read Twilight. We know Edward tried. Mm. <laughs> tried. Tried. <laughs> I tried by breaking into her house and watching I, her sleep. I just got closer and closer and then I wasn't going to do it the next night, but then I thought, oh, one more night it's not gonna hurt i'm gonna have to bring the oil to lubricate the window so it doesn't make a sound <laughs> next, tomorrow night i'm a monster He's, he has like zero impulse control we're not talking about upper color right now he's an addict that's what he is definitely 
Okay, so I'm sorry. We're about to jump into something. <laughs> We're in a flashback. <laughs> We're about to flashback. So basically, like, they're both holding hands, kind of, just in a, like, kind of comforting way, I guess. I, I think she did it out of fear. Like, something was yeah. happening around them, and she, like, grabbed his hand. Oh, I thought that one of them just set the, their hand on each other, like, on top of the other. Not grabbed it, but just set it on top of the other. So as, we like, all had very different interpretations <laughs> yes. of what was happening. Mine was right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but... And then Ethan's still touching this thing mm-hmm. that we don't know too much about yet and then it jumps into this flashback there is smoke happening they are like not in the garden that they know right now but mm-hmm. it was midnight but the sky was on fire the flames reached into the sky pushing forth massive fists of smoke swallowing everything in their path even the moon the ground had turned to a swamp burned ashen ground that had been drenched by the rains that preceded the fire if only it had rained today genevieve choked back the smoke that burned her throat so badly it hurt to breathe mug clung to the bottom of her skirts causing her to stumble every few feet on the voluminous folds of fabric but she forced herself to keep moving it was the end of the world of her world and she could hear the screams mixed with the gunshots and the unrelenting roar of the flames she could hear the soldiers shouting orders of murder burn down those houses let the rebels feel the weight of their defeat burn it all and one by one union soldiers had lit the great houses of the plantations ablaze with their own kerosene laden bed sheets and curtains one by one genevieve watched the homes of her neighbors of her friends and family surrender to the flames and in the worst of circumstances many of those friends and relatives surrendered as well eaten alive by the flames in their very homes where they were born that's why she was running into the smoke toward the fire right into the mouth of the beast she had to get to greenbrier before the soldiers and she didn't have much time the soldiers were methodical working their way down the santee burning the houses one by one they had already burned blackwell doves crossing doves crossing would be next then greenbrier and ravenwood general sherman and his army stated had started the burning campaign hundreds of miles before they reached Gatlin. They had burned Columbia to the ground and continued marching east, burning everything in their path. When they reached the outskirts of Gatlin, the Confederate flag was still waving, the second wind they needed. It was a smell that told her she was too late. Lemons, the tart smell of lemons mixed with ash. They were burning the lemon trees. Genevieve's mother loved lemons, so when her father had visited the plantation in Georgia when she was a girl, he had brought her mother two lemon trees. Everyone said they wouldn't grow that the cold South Carolina winter nights would kill them. But Genevieve's mother didn't listen. She planted those trees right in front of the cotton field, tending them herself. On those cold winter nights, she covered the trees with wool blankets and piled dirt along the edges to keep the moisture out. And those trees grew. They grew so well that over the years, Genevieve's father had brought her 28 more trees. Some of the ladies in town asked their husbands for lemon trees, and a few of them even got a tree or two. But none of them could figure out how to keep their trees alive. The trees only seemed to flourish at Greenbrier on her mother's lamb. Nothing had ever been able to kill those trees until today. Dun dun dun. Oh, I had my mic off. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. I didn't realize the part about other people got lemon trees, but they just couldn't keep them alive. For some reason, these lemon trees stayed alive. That's curious. Yeah. You never caught up on that? Because I was. Oh. Well, it's italicized, so I didn't really read this part. Yeah. <laughs> Until just now. 
and the other five times I've read it, I'm that, sure. That's how Caitlin misses things, is because if it's italicized, she ain't reading it. <laughs> My eyes can't do the slanty slant. <laughs> I'm fairly certain you have slanted stuff in your work when you're writing. It's not that much, though. No, it's not My that much. My flashback scenes, I'm not going to have italicized. It's just too much. I hate flashbacks, too, putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've written plenty of them, though. <laughs> I like the dark one ones. Mm-hmm. Those are fun. They are fun. Lena yanked her hand from Ethan's, asking what just happened. Ethan grabbed onto the object he discovered, a locket with a cameo of a woman, and on the back, the name Greenbrier and a date. Greenbrier happened to be the land they were on. Lena appeared at the locket, recognizing the date, February 11th, 1865. Her face paled. Ethan asked what was wrong, to which she told him February 11th was her birthday. Ethan, yeah, but is that really how that phrase goes? It's chalked. It's not chopped. It's chalked it down to coincidence. Whatever. That's my southernness. Probably. (laughs) Chopped it down. (laughs) I think I... That was a recent thing I discovered, too. Like, I really do. It's chalked and not chopped. I'm sorry. I think I... Where, where are you? Page. The fourth line down on my part, or fifth. Wait, what am I looking for? She <laughs> told him February 11th was her birthday. Ethan just chopped it down to coincidence. Wait, I'm on the wrong page. <laughs> yeah, that may be the That problem. would help, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, like, chopped it down. Chop. That's what I was thinking. Ethan just chalked it down to coincidence while Lena claimed that nothing in her life was ever a coincidence. He noted on the back the engraved initials ECW and GKD. He considered this odd because his initials are ELW. That's not weird. (laughs) They're just letters. There's only 26 of them and they can only be so many different ways. I mean, it, it isn't a coincidence in this case, but they don't know that yet. Yeah. He's just like, that's weird. My initials are ELW. And then Lena's Both like, they're almost the same. And then Lena's like, it's my birthday. Do you really think it's all a coincidence? <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like, Lena Ethan. as a character does annoy me. Just putting that out there. Like mm-hmm. throughout the series, I remember her annoying me, but she's also the main female character, which evidently I have a problem with. Yeah. Which I don't know what that says about me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you have second string <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> why does everyone like her (laughs) i don't have a problem with lena i think she's just a scared girl that's trouble i think rereading that i'm not as annoyed yet sometimes just annoyed by ethan because i'm like you dumbass ethan i kind of acknowledge he can be a dumbass so accepted yeah like him saying oh well my initials are elw that's so (laughs) similar (laughs) He's just trying to be a little investigator, and he's not very good at it. Ethan suggested that they should try touching the locket and holding hands again to go back to the scene and figure out more. Hey, we should try it again. And Lena's like, no. (laughs) That could be dangerous. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Are you? I thought you were braver than that. I thought you were braver than We're getting into gaslighting territory. We're inching towards it. Like, But also, it's another instance to hold her hand, too, so... And then it didn't work. It's not gaslighting, it's manipulation. Correct myself. I just say gaslighting all the time. Well, because that'd be it's like, funny. It's more funny to be like, why are you gaslighting me? Well, yeah. But Lena insisted it might be dangerous. 
She relented, but this time it didn't work. Lena stood up, claiming she needed to go, and he should just forget about her and everything that just happened, while everything is still okay. Ethan reminded her that she's not the only complicated person in the world, to which she responds, it's sort of my specialty. She just has these words and phrases that she says where she's like, like she's trying to be all dark and ominous about it, mm-hmm. but also like, oh, don't talk to me. Ethan, he he takes it as bait. Whenever yeah. she's like, don't try, he's like, well, I'm I gonna didn't try mean to more. actually get there yet. But <laughs> Ethan insisted that everything was happening to them for a reason. It's like we're supposed to be friends. Finally, Lena told him, I turned 16 in five months, 151 days. You don't know what that means, Ethan. You don't know anything. I may not even be here after that. Ethan responded, you're here now. (laughs) Lena took a deep breath, looking past Ethan and up at Ravenwood. You know Bukowski? Ethan nodded. Yeah, don't try, she said. That's what it says on Bukowski's grave. She disappeared back through the wall of the garden, leaving Ethan with the unsettling feeling of panic. As Ethan left, he considered the facts of the matter. The more Lena ran, the more he wanted to follow. Don't try. I was pretty sure my grave would say something different. I accidentally jumped ahead. Yeah, you did. And ex- I didn't. I really did not mean to. <laughs> I've just read it a couple of times now. Ethan's just got to chase after stuff. Like, he's got nothing else going on in his life. So he's like, do-do-do-do-do. And he's, mm-hmm. he's having these weird-ass dreams, too. So yeah. <laughs> he's trying to find some meaning in life. At first, while reading it recently, not the other 5,000 times I've read it, uh, the last line where he says, I was pretty sure my grave would say something different, I was confused by. But then I was like, oh, instead of don't try, his is going to say try. Sure. Basically, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to just... You don't agree? I just don't think he's he's saying that his is going to be, you know, something more... More ridiculous? <laughs> more meaningful or more about perseverance or stubbornness uh, or whatever. I still think it might just... Say try. I don't think it actually, but I think that's what he was getting to. Maybe. Okay, so anything about that chapter? I like that they're finally having a conversation and she's revealing some stuff without revealing Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. He's still nonchalant about the weird things happening. If she really wanted to keep him at arm's length, then she wouldn't have told him half of that. Well, in all fairness, Ethan was raised by Alma. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why he's nonchalant about it. Like, I don't want to make excuses, but that's a pretty... If you live with the head voodoo woman of the county then mm-hmm. you might as well you know you're just used to this weird <laughs> happening you're just like oh okay that's how it is i guess i couldn't jump ahead but <laughs> okay so this next chapter is still september 12th and it's called the sisters for very cool reasons we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> we're like overhyping this at we're this point. Ve- we are overhyping it but it's gonna be hilarious okay as soon as ethan got home after the afternoon with lena alma confronted him Coach, Mrs. English, Link's mom, and the women of the DAR already called her about the day's events at school. Ethan complained that everyone was bullying Lena in class, and he wanted to help her. Then he showed her the locket. Emma jolted back, terrified of the object. She left the room to grab an old handkerchief to wrap around it before placing it in a pouch. She told him to put it back where he found it. Ethan asked, what's going on? Alma responded, you're not ready. Emma, that's how I say it. She acknowledges that at some point he's going to be a part of this world of sorts. Mm -hmm. But she's like, "Mm, not yet. 
Yeah. How does she know when he's ready, though? That's a really Whenever good question. he goes around her back and does stuff. Finds out more? I don't know. However, Ethan didn't go back to Greenbrier with a locket, instead placing it in an old shoebox. Alma had her secrets. He could have his own. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Saturday morning, Alma woke Ethan up so he could go see the three people older than Alma in the town. His three great aunts, Mercy, Prudence, and Grace. They were nearly 100 years old, and none of them could remember who was the oldest at this point. They were even more crazy than they were old. <laughs> Ethan had a long-standing tradition of taking them sisters to church on Saturdays as they were devout Southern Baptists and went to church most days. He believed his great aunts might have might be able to give him information in reference to things uncovered by the locket. When Ethan went to get socks out of his drawer, he found a handmade doll holding a bag of salt and a tiny blue stone Alma had left there. And I was real superstitious. Okay, so we got some superstitious. Okay. I think we all love the sisters. Uh Uh-huh. They're a hoot. They're a hoot. And so we wanted to do something a little bit different today where we do a special podcast skit skit of... (laughs) It's going to be a hot mess, too. It's a total hot mess yes because keep in mind we're doing extra southern accents on top of our southern accent and i don't know if i can keep it up either <laughs> so here's what's gonna happen i am directing so what's going on i will direct at some point i love how you just gave yourself the role earlier you're like so i'm directing <laughs> well i just figured it would be easy because oh, y'all yeah, have more I just lines thought it was funny every one of us is gonna play ethan so how y'all know it's ethan is when we talk in our normal voices we attempt to talk and do our normal voices <laughs> after reading in these crazy ass voices and then we um also have an extra character who's named thelma mm-hmm. which is the sister's caretaker who ethan's dad had hired after aunt grace almost burned down the house because she <laughs> left a lemon meringue pie in, in the, the oven, oven. <laughs> there in church um this woman looks like dolly parton but mm-hmm. she spits tobacco. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to get Caitlin to sound like Dolly Parton. I have not watched anything <laughs> Dolly Parton today, so I'm not prepared. Just no. Like, no, no. All we've we been- have been singing <laughs> 9 to 5. Very poorly and with a lot of lyrics wrong. <laughs> another person or another character or so you need to know about is Harlan James. Harlan which is James. Which is the three sisters dog <laughs> named after mercy's last husband. <laughs> yep <laughs> love it and then we each play one of the sisters yes we each play one of the sisters so caitlin is mercy mercy reba is prudence and i'm grace they're very true to character i believe <laughs> so to start the scene ethan walks up to the door of their house hearing chaos inside aunt mercy answered the door Thank goodness you're here, Ethan. We have an emergency on our hands. Ma'am? Harlan James has been injured, and I'm not convinced he ain't about to pass over. What happened? Inner Prudence holding a first aid kit. I'll tell you what happened. Grace tried to kill poor Harlan James, and he's barely hanging on. Inner Grace. I did not try to kill him. Don't tell tales, Prudence Jane. It was an accident. Ethan, you call Dean Wilkes and you tell him we have an emergency. We're losing him! (laughs) Ethan looks over to see the dog startled but not dying. Grace, 
the Lord is my witness. If Harlan James dies, he's not going to die, Aunt Prue. I think his legs broke. What happened? Grace tried to beat him to death with a broom. That's not true. <laughs> I told you I wasn't wearing my spectacles and he looked like a wharf rat running around through the kitchen. And how would you know what a wharf rat looks like? you never been to a wharf in your life. The sisters and Ethan leave to go visit the feed store person because he's the closest thing to a vet in town. (laughs) I know all this, but it's still so funny. Enter back the sisters where Thelma is present. Where you girls been? Prudence and Mercy race to the kitchen where Thelma was to tell her where Thelma was to tell her of their misadventures. Grace, however, was acting depressed to be the villain again. (laughs) Ethan pulls out the locket. What you got there, handsome? It's just a locket. I found it out by the Ravenwood plantation. Ravenwood? What the devil were you doing out there? My friend's staying out there. You mean Lena Duquesne? Yes, ma'am. We're in the same class at school. We found this locket in the garden behind the great house. We don't know who it belonged to, but it looks really old. That's not making Ravenwood's property. That's a part of Greenbrier. Let me look at that. It has an inscription on the back. I I can't read that. Grace, can you make that out? I don't see nothing at all. There are two sets of initials right here. ECW and GKD. And if you flip that disc over there's a date february 11th 1865 that date seems real familiar mercy what happened on that date weren't you married on that date grace 1865 not 1965 february 11th 1865 that was the year the federals almost burned gatlin to the ground our great granddaddy lost everything in that fire don't you remember the story girls General Sherman and the Union Army marched clean through the South, burning everything in their path, including Gatlin. They called in the Great Burning. At least part of every plantation in the Gatlin was destroyed except Ravenwood. My granddaddy used to say, Abraham Ravenwood must have made a deal with the devil that night. What do you mean? It was the only way that place could have been left standing. The Federals burned every plantation along the river, one at a time, till they got to Ravenwood. They just marched on past it like it wasn't even there. The way Granddaddy told it, there wasn't the only thing strange about that night. Abraham had a brother, lived there with him, and he just up and disappeared that night. Nobody ever saw him again. That doesn't seem strange. Maybe he was killed by the Union soldiers, or trapped in one of the burning houses. Or maybe it was something else. They never did find a body. What about Macon Ravenwood? What do you know about him? That boy never did have a chance on account of him being illegitimate. His daddy Silas met Macon's mama after his first wife left him. She was a pretty girl from New Orleans. Anyhow, not long after Macon and his brother were born, but Silas never did marry her, and then she upped and left too. Grace Ann, you don't know how to tell a story. Silas Ravenwood was an eccentric and as mean as a day is long, and there were strange things going on at that house. The lights were on all night long, and every now and again, a man in a tall black hat was seen wandering around up there. And a wolf! Tell him about the wolf! There was a wolf up at the house. Silas kept it like it was a pet. But those boys, they moved back and forth between Silas and their mama. 
And when they were with him, mm-hmm, Silas treated them something awful, beat on them all the time and barely let them out of sight. He wouldn't even let them go to school. Maybe that's why Macon Ravenwood never leaves his house. Oh, he leaves his house. I've seen him a mess of times over at the DKR building right after supper time. <laughs> I can tell you one thing. This here handkerchief belonged to Sulla Trudeau. Sulla the prophet, they used to call her, on account of folks said she could see the future in the cards. Tarot cards? What kind of other cards are there? Well, there are playing cards and greeting cards and place cards for parties. <laughs> How do you know the handkerchief belonged to her? Her initials are embroidered right here on the edge. And you see that there? Grace shows Ethan an embroidered bird on the handkerchief. That there is her mark. Her mark? Most readers had a mark back then. They marked their decks to make sure nobody switched their cards. A reader is only as good as her deck. I know that much. Was she related to Amma? Of course she was. She was Amma's great-great-grandmama. What about the initials on the locket? ECW and GKD. Do you know anything about them? Are you teasing an old woman, Ethan? Wait. No, ma'am. ECW is Ethan Carter Wait. He was your great, great, great uncle. Or was it your great, great, great uncle? You never been any good with arithmetic. Anyhow, he was your great, 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 great granddaddy's brother. Ellis Waite's brother was named Lawson. That's how I got my middle name. Ellis Waite had two brothers, Ethan and Lawson. You were named for both of them. Ethan Lawson Waite. I have the Waite family tree in my genealogy book. I keep track of the whole lineage for the Sisters of the Confederacy. Here it is. Will you look at that? Burton Free, my third husband. Wasn't he just the handsomest of all my husbands? Prudence Jane, keep looking. This boy is testing our memory. <laughs> it's right here, after the Statham tree. Why isn't he on my family tree? Most family trees in the South are full of lies. But I'm surprised he made it onto a copy of the Waite family tree. It's only on account of my excellent record keeping that he's even on this one. Why wouldn't he make it on the family tree, Aunt Prue? On account of him being a deserter. What do you mean a deserter? Lord, what do they teach you youngins in that fancy high school of yours? Deserters, the Confederates who ran out on General Lee during the war, the ones who supported the cause of Confederacy, and the ones whose families made them enlist. By 1865, Lee's army was beaten, starving, and outnumbered. Some say the rebels were losing face, so they up and left, deserted their regiments. Ethan Carter Waite was one of them. He was a deserter. So you're telling me he was erased from the family tree because he didn't want to starve to death fighting a losing war for the wrong side? That's one way of looking at it, I suppose. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Don't you sass us, Ethan! (laughs) That tree was changed long before we were born. I'm sorry, ma'am. Why would my parents name me after some great, great, great uncle who shamed the family? Well, your mama and your daddy had their own ideas about all that. What with all those books they read about the war. You know they've been liberal. Who knows what they were even thinking. You'd have to ask your daddy about that. What about the initials GKD? I think G might stand for Genevieve. GKD? Didn't you date a boy with the initials GD once, Mercy? I can't recollect. Do you remember a GD, Grace? GD? 
GD. No can't say as I do. Oh my goodness. Look here at the time, girls. It's time for church. Ethan, would you be a good boy and pull the Cadillac round here, you hear? We just have to put it on our faces. And scene. <laughs> and scene. And back into it. <laughs> Sorry. I was just, I love it. <laughs> I love Van Grace and getting to scream with everybody. <laughs> During the church service, Ethan fiddled with the locket in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Dr. Sue was off in here. <laughs> then he heard Lena's voice telling him to stop. They were suddenly whisked back to where they left off in Greenbrier in the Greenbrier flash- flashback. This time, Genevieve was talking to a man named Ethan, who had just deserted the war. He told her that he couldn't spend another day fighting in a war that was just spilling blood over cotton. Genevieve said she didn't care about this now that he was here and alive. And now that they were together, they would get married. Then Genevieve's cook wandered towards them, saying that Greenbrier was burning. She also told her that Genevieve's mother and sisters were inside. As quoted, only God was going to have to answer to me. Ethan was pulled away from the vision back to present day in church. He decided Lena was right. There's nothing that's just a coincidence. So do you, dun, dun, dun. So do you think something happens because she's mad at God? Ah, oh, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> very, very little. <laughs> I would like to repeat, this is my third time reading this book. <laughs> The last time I read it was in 2013, though, which yeah. is a long time ago. <laughs> How do you think these women were in their youths? Were they exactly the same? Of course. Of course? Yeah. Well, not exactly the same, but, like, personality-wise, probably. Definitely. Like, yeah. And, like, bickering. And mm-hmm. Who do you think's the oldest? Prudence. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Who do you think's the youngest? Marcy. Grace is the middle child. That's why she always feels villainized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. I think we got it. I think we got it. I want to know. So it's on his dad's side. Mm-hmm. And these are his great aunts. So that's his granddad's. I don't understand how this all works. Like, cause yeah, I think when I was looking, <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at their family tree, I got really confused. Also, check out Instagram to see uh, the Ethan or the Waite family tree. That may help y'all out. They're his great. Wait, I said yeah, they're great, great aunts. They are. It, it, but, it says that they are. In like the great aunts. They're like his great great aunts because it's him, and then right above him is his dad, and then his grandfather, and then above the, them is another line. And then they're in that line. Uh huh. So there's great great aunts. Why is their last name Statham? Hold on. They married into the Waite family, didn't they? Not them. No, not, they not didn't. Them. I'm talking... Okay, so we're looking at the family tree right now. And at the very bottom is Ethan. And then, you know, right above him is his father, Mitchell, and him, then his mom, Lila. His father's the Waite. And above him is his grandparents. And then above them, so his great-grandfather is associated with the sisters. But... It's like his great-grandfather, that would be his sister's-in-law, because they're Stathams. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so Con- their sister, Constance, married Constance married into the Waite mm-hmm. family, so that's how they're related. How do they know so much about the Waites? But then? they said our great-great-great-granddaddy, uh-huh. Ellis Waite. Why do they have a different last name? Because that's 
in the South, like, I feel like most places traditionally, you one, take on the heterosexual marriages, take on the male's last name, and that's the one that the children have. Yeah. But it also could be something like the dad died or... Why would they not claim the white name? I don't know. Hold on. That's why I'm saying, like, they had Constance married a white. I just don't know, like, if they were Constance's sister, why they would be so heavily involved with the weights. If one of them married a weight, that would make sense. But just their sister marrying them, unless they had nothing else going for them. Because they said they're related to everybody in town. I'm on the wiki. That's the only way it makes sense that that her sister married in, because because Clayton Waite and Eugenia Porter had two children, so they had Jackson Waite and Mary Catherine Waite. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the only way that makes sense. So I don't know why they claim that because that's actually what it is. I wonder if there are because the family tree doesn't hold the whole truth. That's true. Yeah. So I wonder if there's more to it. Maybe why would they provide it and not discuss it? Maybe (laughs) their sisters are the sisters are witches too. (gasps) See, every time I see like um, three like older women who are all kind of associated and kind of like. I think of like the the fairies from like Sleeping Beauty or like the um the Weavers of the Fates or something. What are they called? Yeah, the Fates. Like, I think of that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I always am like a little hmm about whenever there's older ladies and threes. Says she's mortal. They're mortal. Hold on, I've got a funny one at least while we're doing this. So I'm on the wiki for the Crest Caster Chronicles, and I just pulled up Grace's. Christ. Caster Chronicles. And I pulled up Grace's uh, quotes, if y'all would like to hear some. Ethan Waite, you are clearly not an animal lover. These babies would never hurt us on potentially rabid baby squirrels. (laughs) I feel like that's in my brain somewhere. And you can look up just about anything, even dirty pictures. Every now and then, the dirtiest pictures would pop up on the screen on the internet. (laughs) This from later in the series? Yeah. Okay, this is what I thought. Mercy. Which one is the buttercream? There is no tea in itching. <laughs> I like that one. You know, babies are born without kneecaps. <laughs> you just like make it up. I swear. I read it in Reader's Digest. Those readers are full of information. Why can't Thelma get married to that handsome jim clooney boy i'm trying to watch my stories you know better than to use profanity fantasy fantasy is there an extra t in there no (laughs) (laughs) just said it like that and once a day we have to clean their little private parts with a q-tip so they'll so they'll learn to clean it themselves she's talking about the squirrels yes (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i remember the squirrel part i want to know what book that's in I just don't get the whole why well, they're Stathams and then they're mm-hmm. unless they're witches. Which I think is unlikely, but anything's possible with those amazing women. Anything is possible in this town. I think they're just background characters, you know? Yeah. Hilarious just for, background Just there characters. for a fun time. They're there for comic relief, but mm-hmm. we loved every minute of it. I guess we'll never figure out why they're Stathams and they're just their sister married. But then they're like my great granddaddy. Although it could be, everything's very just incestual. Yeah, I was going to say, it could have just been that. <laughs> That's likely. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's not necessarily incestual, but like. Uh huh. But like, 
you have um you can be double kin to somebody down mm-hmm. here that's another southern thing because back in the day you know you had a brother and they had a sister and so you would take your brother to go see the sister while you sit, saw the boy and then y'all would both yeah you'd you get both married. married into the same family yes so that children and so on associated with that mm-hmm. would be double, double kin. kin they'd be double cousins we're, we're double cousins we're double cousins i used to run around saying that to people like that's appropriate like i don't know if i would go around saying that to people I was like hey i didn't know any better yeah. you just thought it was cool now you're like it's not super weird but it's kind of weird well like me and my friend tessa we're distantly related but we're distantly related to each other on both sides of our families okay i think that about wraps it up today so be sure to follow us on instagram at let's call nothing pod and we'll see you next time continuing on beautiful creatures i don't think we run into the sisters for a little bit but when we come back to them when we come back to them lord help (laughs) just wait for it okay i think that's it thanks for listening Bye. bye I just want to see ya. Shake that. Are you ready? I think we're better now. Yes. <laughs>